0: And welcome to You Need to See This. That's right. This is a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host.
1: Hi, it's me, Cozy Orlin.
0: And I'm also joined by my other lovely co-host.
1: Pete Burns. Hi. Hello,
0: Pete. Pete's hey, hop in in front of the soundboard today to join us and do another episode with us, which we're so psyched because it's so fun to have him included.
2: There's, there's something that I need to say, and it's, you need to see this. Boom. Magic. <laughs> You've been
0: waiting for weeks to say it. Do you feel, feel better, better I've now? Been
2: out, I've been tearing out my hair. I've been <laughs> anxious cooking. I have just been thinking about this all week long, and I do feel better
0: Good. Now get behind that soundboard. we don't want to hear anything else from you for the rest of the show. Oh, no. Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> Stirring past monsters.
0: Um, you guys, do I sound extremely fancy today? Oh, well, Yes, you do. I
2: wonder why that could it be. sounds like there's some magic in the air over there. There
0: is. It's a magical blue Yeti. Bam, bam, bam. Luce got a new mic.
1: Very psyched for that mic.
0: Thank you. Yes, a
1: blue
2: yeti uh, is a type of microphone for those people who were thinking there is just a magical blue yeti.
0: Uh, I've been uh, stuck in my apartment just huffing gas fumes, <laughs> <laughs> and boy, the cryptozoology uh, class has really paid off. <laughs> I'm surrounded right now. Is that They're what?
1: Is that why you keep recommending I buy a pink elephant? <laughs>
0: yes, I, this guy's hilarious. Giving you tons of <laughs> drinks. I love him. Um, so I'll do, I had to digress a little bit just to just to squeal because I'm excited. And I, I'm a person who never buys new things. And mm-hmm. but they don't have these at Goodwill, so I had to get something brand new. And it makes me feel good. Nice, fantastic. So,
2: I'm so happy for you. It's an amazing microphone, and it's going to change your life. Oh
0: yeah. oh God, that would be incredible. I would, I would love it if this microphone changed my life, and then in interviews in ten years, I could be like, well, it all started with a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I become the new poster girl for the Blue Yetis.
1: Wow,
2: there were my pre Yeti years and my post Yeti <laughs> years.
0: Just wow. a raggedy old pair of headphones. <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you for your support guys um you are great friends you're also comedians you're also writers filmmakers musicians <laughs> Peach just dropped a single last week
1: cop it cop that single yeah
2: yeah check it out folks it's on spotify apple music i think it's on everything actually but those are the two that i know of um it's called walking on air so just search for that and then the letters P and B, and you'll find it.
0: Congratulations! That's so cool. It is such a beautiful song. I've been bopping to it all week long.
2: Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And it's probably the most like poppy mainstream thing that I've written in a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy. I'm happy with it. That being what?
0: said, I don't think it sounds mainstream. I think it sounds really ethereal and like I don't know, like meditative and yeah dream, like, cool yeah
1: i think that's where the yeah i was is right now
0: Does <laughs> that mainstream oh no
1: everything's gotten more dream poppy absolutely it's very specific
0: hmm i yes. thought mainstream yes. was edm and like um i don't know ariana grande
1: that's in the mainstream too the mainstream has different aspects
0: hmm there are
2: multiple streams that feed into the
1: mainstream sorry i'm too
0: underground i don't know anything
1: oh that's good i like that hanging out with those cryptids underground (laughs)
0: that's right just me and a few cryptids in the sewer
1: yeah just you chilling with rocket from the cryptids is that a terrible pun or a terrible pun
0: (laughs) um i liked it but it's very specific i think I don't know how many other people will appreciate it
2: That's why it's It went over my head honestly
1: <laughs> Well done
0: Well Pete you and I will have the chance to go over Cozy's head today Because we're teaming up To uh, convince Cozy and our listeners That um, today's movie is got to be worth watching We're going to we have no spoilers We're going to get down and Emotionally dirty because This is a movie that makes us both Break down and weep <laughs> Um, but before we talk about our film today, Cozy, you saw something that was recommended to you.
1: Accurate. I did indeed. What uh, did you see? Well, uh, on it, uh, for this week's We Saw It, I saw a movie that is near and dear to both of your hearts. And it is, of course, Call Me By Your Name. Ah! <gasps> no way. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love not talking about it beforehand, because this is genuine and I love it.
0: I wow, cozy. Loved, I'm so excited. So excited. <laughs> I love, love, love that you waited to do it for when Pete and I teamed up again. That was very cute of you. Cozy. About it. <laughs> that was Aww. another movie that Pete and I really cried over, and we felt very emotionally bonded over. So, this is the perfect time to talk about it. What did you yeah. think of Call Me By Your Name? This was an episode we did in March, April.
1: Sure. I believe that. in the
0: spring. We'll put it in the <laughs> show notes right. if people want to visit it for the first time or revisit it.
1: Great move. What's uh, your review? I thought it was a very good movie and I liked it overall. Great. Oh, I have a lot oh. of to say about it, but I would love to start with that. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, yay. What did you think of Michael Stuhlbarg? Uh, I thought he was very sweet. He was a very sweet guy in it. He was uh, the
0: greatest dad of all time. I. Right? Uh,
1: there were moments during that uh, during that speech where I couldn't decide if he was maybe approaching it from almost the weird angle. Like if my dad said some of that stuff, I would be uncomfortable. But some of that stuff, I'd be like, "Thank you for for you know making this feel as valid as it was to me." You know,
0: so mm-hmm. yeah, I
1: think I think that he was great overall. I think he was fantastic overall.
2: Yeah, I I totally relate to what you're saying. Like there there are moments in that speech where you know, if you take out the um, the piece of it that's, like, that feels groundbreaking in terms of it's, like, a dad talking to his son about, like, this homosexual relationship. Yeah. Um, like, if you take that part out of it, it is still a dad kind of talking to his son about, like, a love affair, and the son's, like, 17. Yeah. So I, I get it. It is, like, it is kind of approaching that weirdness, but I think the fact that it's about his full support for like his either bisexual or, or gay son mm-hmm. um, kind of just makes it really, really sweet. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Totally
1: agree with you on that one. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, I feel like the movie was super pretty from the moment it started. Like even the title sequence, I went, Oh yeah. I remember them saying it was very beautiful. And I was like, yeah, this is high quality, very pretty. Oh, I like seeing it on my computer. Um, like all the cinematography was fantastic.
0: Oh, it's so beautiful. Did it make you want to read an old paperback in Italy in an old fountain?
1: Yeah. a hundred percent. It reminded <laughs> me of a lot of things and uh, Italy and Europe were, were very much one of those things. And it brought me back to Paris a little bit. And it made me think of this fountain that my family friends uh, had and how European I realize it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I really did like the patience of the movie and like the Europeanness of it all, that feeling that I haven't experienced in a long time. Um, I would say that, you know, he, the main character did feel like, he did look like a high school senior or college freshman and the age gap did feel a little uncomfortable for me at the start. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they became a thing, I was like on board. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe two or like two scenes after that, I was like fully invested.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't it feel really natural? I, That's the thing that I feel like it's not w- why I was like a little worried about it, but then at first it just felt like they both were so much in the same place and not like one person was taking advantage or power.
1: Yeah, well, the power thing was really weird for me in a different way because for a lot of the first half of the movie, it felt to me like they were just two cool guys wearing sunglasses and smoking and trying to power move each other for status. <laughs> Like, it was just a bunch of... It was a ton of jockeying for social position and, like, macho competitiveness, and I was like, Welcome to every gay relationship, Cozy. See, that's what I was wondering. I was like, this is probably <laughs> something I am not... A, like, I am very much in the dark about. <laughs>
2: I mean, that is... it. Well, it depends on the relationship for sure, but I would say definitely in the early stages, in my experience of, like, a relationship with a guy, there's this part where you're both trying to figure out, like what am I better at than he is? And what is he better at than I am? Interesting. Like, do those, can those things line up in a way that like are innate, like, I guess being cis men, <laughs> like competitive streak, like, does it work? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It was so interesting. Cause like, I didn't, I like, I didn't see it as, as flirting, but, but that's cause I'm so on the other side of it all where I was just like, Oh, these are the things that I don't like about guys in general. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, that was very illuminating for me and helpful to see. Because I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's what okay, now I get it. Because like I felt like I missed the moment where they became a thing, but I saw before it, I saw after it, and somewhere in the middle I didn't understand it. <laughs> that was like yeah. the most hetero thought I'd had. I was like, Yeah, of course I didn't <laughs> understand. It wasn't for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's almost like this weird, like gay flirting sometimes feels like uh, performative
1: competitiveness. Oh, does wow. that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And like that I feel like that's yet another aspect of flirting in general that I like shy away from. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like, oh, I'm so not competitive as a person. I would be terrible if I had to do that. <laughs>
0: It's nice sure with so cool. girls because I feel like it's just a complimentary fest. Like you're just like, I love your hair. I love your earrings. I love that dress. Oh, that's, I love that, oh that sounds. That sounds.
2: That sounds so, so nice. nice. <laughs> that really
0: sounds great. It's <laughs> great. Yeah, it's like two girls on the dance floor, like touching each other's hair and being like, what shampoo do you use? <laughs>
1: uh, I sounds, wish I was a lesbian. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Although it also sounds like a lot of unsurety because I'd be worrying that I was misreading, but it does sound like a nicer experience overall in so many ways.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the good news that I like about, uh, well, this is a converse a larger conversation and a piece that I'm working on, but right. like that, <laughs> that female relationships are very romantic, whether or not they, um, Oh, yeah, There is, like, I don't know how to – I just think that women are more romantic with each other regardless of what they um, are looking for or what they identify. So even if, like, even if you're – you can't offend another woman the way that I feel like men are so homophobic (laughs) and violent. Like, women aren't violent in the same way. Not all. Of course, some probably are. You know, in middle school or, like, a mean girl situation. Mm I can't have a lesbian at my pool party. But (laughs) – once you're in college, I feel like everybody is just like writhing around and like always being very familiar and very touchy and you're holding hands everywhere. I was like basically dating every one of my friends in college, like, and they all were bi, and we were all sort of <laughs> girlfriends, even though we didn't call each other that because it was the early 2000s and there's a lot of biphobia. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you don't have to worry about the wrong. I don't know. I've never worried about like, what's this girl going to think of me? Because at the very least you just have fun flirting. And then at the very best you get to make out in the bathroom.
1: All of that sounds incredibly Italian to me and fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I had oh. vibes and bits and pieces of that in this movie too. Just the feeling of just like, everyone's trying to figure out what sex is to them, especially the mm-hmm. main character. And like, there's no wrong thing. There's just a bunch of stuff and all this stuff is cool. <laughs>
0: And the colors, yeah. oh, that blue!
1: Oh, the blue and like the ocean, all that stuff. It was mm. very, very, very beautiful. Um, let's see. Uh, everyone's gonna hate me for saying this, or they will slightly agree. Uh, Army Hammer feels like a play on Jason Segel for some reason.
0: <laughs> you mean that he looks like Jason Segel?
1: Yeah, he looks like a more attractive version of Jason Segel to me, and I didn't realize that because he's I- tall. <laughs> yeah he's tall and like very it's, it's something about his tall and faceness very felt very jason siegel-y <laughs> yeah, I
0: feel like their faces are shaped very differently like, to me jason siegel's face is kind of like flat like a dinner plate and army hammers <laughs> is like sculpted and like i don't know like a fighter plane
1: yeah i don't know where the vibe was hitting me but for some reason i was feeling that vibe because I, I had no picture of army hammer before i'm sure i'd seen him but i didn't have a concept of him and i watched and i went Oh, who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Jason Siegel for some reason.
0: I think that's totally well, insane.
1: <laughs> for, the,
2: for the most part, my reaction is that <clears throat> emoji with like the hands on his chin looking off to the side, like, hmm. <laughs> um, but.
0: Mine's an upside down smile. <laughs> <laughs> no <New> game. <laughs> There's not a, a
2: tiny part of him. me that agrees with you is that I feel like their voices are kind of similar. So I get that.
1: Yeah, that might've been what was hitting mm. me a little bit too. There was a mix of things. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I thought it, I went, that is not going to be a popular opinion.
0: <laughs> um, I love Jason C. Sie- I I have a crush on Jason Siegel also.
1: He's great. He's just differently great. Um, yeah, let's see. And my, my only other thought on this one uh, was that for me, I, I, know that, I know that you had both been talking about how it felt like the before trilogy on some level. And for me, this one didn't quite feel like the before trilogy because this felt more focused on like passion and being in it and physicality. But bef- the before trilogy felt very, very verbal to me. Hmm. It huh, so I, in
2: it. I have not seen the before trilogy for the record, so I, oh. I don't really have anything to comment. Yeah, on. I think I'm the one. <laughs> who
0: just I think the romance. I think there's a lot of. I think there. I think it's just absolutely vibrating with romance the way oh, it that the
1: trilogy is. is. It but no, it's like, yeah, it's not it comparative felt, in style. Yeah, it felt like it was very much super romantic, but in a different way somehow. It felt like a different flavor or a different sort of side of the romance. Cause the more I thought about it, the more I was like before trilogy feels very like communicative but separate, maybe. Whereas everyone felt in this like really connected and like experiencing the passion of it more mm-hmm. you know one had like a lot of like drama and layers not not really the same kind of drama but like it had dynamics and layers in the same in, in a very different way whereas before trilogy felt more like a like just a flow state you know there was no forbiddenness mhm it was yeah. more, more kind of existing together whereas this one was more like we're figuring this out and then we're super existing together and we're like really like yeah, it yeah, it felt like a different circumstance. Like this felt more coming of agey, whereas that one felt more, um, I don't know, existy.
0: <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, yeah, I think they're two very different styles. Yeah, um,
1: but they are definitely very much romantic romance movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think both just like really grab my heart and like remind me what's so great about being in love and falling in love. Falling in love is so exciting, and it only it's a very specific part of the beginning of a relationship that you don't... Yeah, yeah. You can only remember it, but you can't really re-experience it with the same person again.
1: That's very true. That makes a lot of sense. These are good calls. Um, all right, with, those are- without yeah. having... Yeah, oh, please.
0: Yeah, I mean, without having seen the
2: Before trilogy, what I can say about, like, Call Me By Your Name that I think maybe is different is that I feel like Call Me By Your Name is it definitely has a big romantic aspect to it, but to me it feels very much uh, a coming out movie yeah. more than yes. it is about a relationship. Definitely. Yes. Um, Because there is so much of the movie that's dedicated to Elio's relationship with his mom and his dad and them like trying to kind of send him the message um, in, in fewer words by, by just saying like, Hey, it's okay if you want to come out, we accept you for who you are. Yeah. And him kind of denying it to himself and to them for a long time. Um, but then you see this relationship kind of open him up, you know, leading up to that final conversation with his dad.
1: Mm, absolutely. Yeah, it also felt very 80s in a really fun way. Oh, yes, the dancing. Oh. That was great. It was great.
0: <laughs> I really liked it because it was, it, there's no nostalgia to it. Like, you kind of forget the time here you're in until those moments happen. And I think it's such a great... I think it's such a great film to look to about how to do uh, time periods that are in our recent memory, especially time periods that are popular and Mm -hmm. have a very specific look and feel to them. I think that the call to pepper in anything from the second half of the 20th century with like a ton of music, a ton of references, a ton of like specific verbal cues, like it's that call Mm -hmm. to do that is so tempting for people you can really wind up with something that doesn't have a lot of depth to it because you're just making callbacks to the time period oh yeah Um,
3: yeah for sure and it
0: succeeds so well at putting you exactly in the early 80s perfectly but having this timeless relationship and love story and it's so special and and poignant for that family at that time and it's less about the 80s but they are in the 80s and that is also important
1: Yeah. And just generally, I liked how it was I liked how it was set up and directed. And it felt it felt like it put me in a really specific place beforehand and then sort of got me towards sort of the relationship I was expecting. But Mm. it didn't start me there. So I really appreciated the journey of it because I think I maybe was assuming that it was going to get to it faster, but it got to it in the right way instead.
0: Nice. (laughs) Yay, we did it. We did it. it. Wow, it really feels like we accomplished a lot, Pete. I feel like we can almost go you know, home too. now.
3: <laughs>
0: when I say go home, I mean move from my closet to my
1: room. <laughs> no, well, yeah, everyone can get out of their closets is what I'm saying, too. Everyone can get as much out of their closets as they feel safe.
0: That's well, actually uh, well, no, the I... theme of the story.
1: Well, weird. I was, I was just being hyper-literal. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, you know what? I actually have to, I have to drive back home. I'm here at Disneyland. No!
0: A oh, bunch of people. It's a bad place to record, if anything. So loud, Pete.
1: I'm on Splash Mountain right now. You're oh, no.
3: Gonna, you're going to ruin your laptop.
1: <laughs> That's the one thing I worry about when people go to Disneyland, the audio quality.
0: <laughs> yeah, there are screams. Uh, I guess people don't really scream at at disney world do they what do they could do like yay i'm having fun i have not yeah, really spent much time there
1: i don't know i assume they vomit just you know rides and stuff too much it's a churros.
0: lot of vomiting i
1: think i think there's a lot of crying crying yeah that's a good crying.
0: Call. yes well that's something i can relate to um me too <laughs> <laughs>
1: i feel like it's gonna be a segue <laughs>
0: because here's the thing guys we're talking about a movie that made me cry when i watched it in the theater it made me cry when i watched it again later streaming and then when i rewatched it this morning on blu-ray not only did i cry the second the music for the opening credits started but i didn't stop until the end (laughs) this movie makes me cry a lot what about you pete
2: um Yes. I I have to agree with everything. This was my third time watching it. I watched it again today. And um, this was the only time where I came into it, was watching it and was like, you know what, I'm doing okay. I think I've like, figured out my emotions as they relate to this movie. <laughs> and then, and then we get to the scene, the marriage scene, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. the reception where the uncle goes up to give a speech. And then I lost it. Yep. And the way this movie makes me cry, by the way, it, it's not like this graceful like mm-hmm. tear down the side of my Never. cheek that like tastes like honey when I kind of sip it with my tongue or whatever. But um, <laughs> it makes me ugly cry. I'm like ball mm-hmm. ball crying. Um,
0: oh yeah, I definitely. I went, was like, uh... I just. Told
2: yeah, <laughs> I was like squeezing pillows. Like Ugh. <laughs>
0: I was like yeah. using my whole hand to wipe my face <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or just like now my palm is soaked. Uh, you guys, if you haven't figured it out yet today, we are talking about 2019. Yes, it's a new film. We are talking about Lulu Wang's The Farewell.
1: I've never seen The Farewell.
0: Cozy, why haven't you seen The Farewell? What are, What is your preconceived notions about it?
1: I don't know. I saw the trailers for the farewell and I saw everybody talking about the farewell and in the trailers, I was like, Oh, this looks sad. You know, this seems like a sad movie with uh, a person who's like really buzzing right now. And everyone's excited about her, but I haven't really seen anything she's done. And I don't know. I wasn't excited to see uh, that uh, sort of like a sad cancer movie or a cancer movie, right?
0: Well, Cozy, I've got news for you. It's not really a sad cancer movie.
1: Oh, good. Okay, that helps me out already. But yeah, yeah, I I think generally, sorry, just a real quick close off my thought. Um, Generally, the reason that I haven't seen it uh, or I didn't see it is because everybody was talking about it. (laughs)
0: Sure. And then that brings me to a good point, which is that usually on this podcast, not usually necessarily, but a lot of times we talk about underseen films, the kind of films that like when you're maybe out in a group of people and you're like, oh, I love this. And then most of the people that you're with didn't see it or maybe your parents didn't see it. It's not Mm -hmm. a Jaws or Indiana Jones or another movie that's very popular that Cozy hasn't seen this is a, definitely an indie film, and one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about it, other than the fact that Pete and I loved gushing together, mm-hmm. is that it was not nominated for an Academy Award, and neither was Aquafina, who plays the main character, and it is one of the biggest snubs in recent memory. For
2: I, it was a personal insult to me <laughs> and to every person who worked on this movie. Absolutely. This movie deserves. The, the world. Absolutely. The world.
0: It deserved to have as much attention as Parasite got.
3: Absolutely.
2: And
0: I feel Absolutely. like what happened was a racist choice to say that we can only uplift one Asian movie. Mm. And like that. I,
2: I completely the agree. Powers yeah. that
0: be, uh, you know, where everyone's pulling the strings with who's getting money and who's getting campaign votes and all the lobbying you have to do to win an award. Because you basically, you do have to pay to win. Essentially. And so I think that somebody at the very top was like, listen, this is going to Parasite like, this year. And they just totally crapped out on the well.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a bummer. Also, the Academy is a bummer and it's full of old white people who have bad racist choices.
0: <laughs> Agreed. And I'm not well, saying well, that like we what I'm saying is just that it is the largest award show that represents our country and that gets the most mainstream views. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Hollywood is a big, I think what people ingest is a big part of what helps them be progressive people when they don't, uh, they're not you know, around people of color, or, uh, gay people or uh, women, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> the, the portrayals that they see can help, you know, soften their hearts to some, to some point. And if you're not seeing it in award shows and you're, it's not playing at the local multiplex and you can't, you don't have an indie theater. When are you ever going to fucking see this movie, especially that like video stores aren't around anymore, you know?
1: True, very true.
0: Anyway, so as Cozy said, this was a popular movie in like artist circles and like critics really loved it. And so you might be saying, like, we know we need to see it, but listen, (laughs) Pete and I are going to get to the core of why you need to see it. And it's not just because it's good and you should. There are some really valuable, beautiful reasons that Cozy, we think will resonate with you and our listeners.
2: Love, in fact, there are five five for each of us whoa that's so weirdly coincidental it,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> in, ten in a
2: groundbreaking move for this podcast <laughs> five reasons per speaker who has seen the movie
1: you know he, i think that if this works well we should continue it throughout the, the series
0: i mean can you imagine if we did different numbers each time it would be so chaotic
1: <laughs> it would be chaos Seven, yeah. four. people would stop
0: listening <laughs> they, they would they're only here with the consistency
1: oh god Yeah, this time i had one reason oh that was a quick episode <laughs>
0: um all right well let's get into the farewell a little bit shall we
2: we shall please
0: okay um all of my very dramatic pauses are because (laughs) this very nice microphone picks up every little thing that i do now so i'm like terrified of like letting loose like a light burp (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean
1: that's why i have to go full on or not at all (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess I wasn't really prepared to be this herd.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, the pressure's on, I suppose.
0: Everyone who knows me knows that I'm really trying to not chomp gum right now. <laughs> as much as I want to. <laughs> All right. The Farewell, it came out last year. It's starring Aquafina. Cozy, you said you don't know that much about Aquafina or that she's really hot right now or the set and the other thing. It's interesting that Aquafina was actually cast in this movie before she was in Crazy Rich Asians, before she was in Ocean State. She hadn't actually been doing any acting when she first met with Lulu Wang, who is the director and the writer. And um, this story is her life. Like This is based exactly on her experience and her Um, family in china Ah. so she worked really closely with her producers on um, developing the script and then casting and it was her producers that suggested aquafina because aquafina is also chinese and has um, family in china as well and the story essentially is about an american Uh, whose family is from China. And she was from China, but she moved here as like a little girl. So she's like really the only one in her family that's like the most Americanized. And so she's straddling these two worlds. And it's one of the things that makes the story extremely compelling to me. Um, And so Lulu Wang liked that a lot about her. They had like a very similar um, cultural experience, essentially. And that was really important to her. Um, Lulu Wang said she wanted all of the characters to have natural accents and um, she wanted all of the basically the mannerisms and the life experience and things to feel very natural. She didn't want anybody to be like, you know, putting on a Chinese accent or wearing something that they wouldn't wear. Uh, She wasn't trying to like turn up the ethnicity, but just wanted it to be exactly what it was, I guess, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. That's very good. Glad to hear that.
0: Um, so like I said, this movie stars Awkwafina, um, who you'll all recognize from those movies. And then she was a singer before that. That's how um, she was known. Uh, self-made YouTube star. Was she a uh,
1: rapper or a singer or both?
0: I think it was like comedy rap.
1: That sounds familiar to me. Yeah. I've never seen her stuff, but I, that sounds very familiar for all the things that I've heard.
0: Yeah, it was rap. I guess i rapping no, and singing, but it's sort of its own thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'm on board for all of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so it's also starring uh, Zhao Shuzhen as Nai Nai, who is Aquafina's, who plays Billy. It's her grandmother, and mm. then uh, everybody will probably recognize Tai Mei, who is a American. I mean, I think he lives in America now. He's in a ton of movies. Um, I just clicked on his name and it uh, made my computer froze. So, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot. Of movies. That, yeah, he's in he, so many movies. You know,
2: he's um. You know what I recognized him from? Weirdly enough, was the TV show Twenty Four oh. with Jack Bauer.
0: Oh wow, I didn't know he was in he, that.
2: He plays, I believe, the Chinese president or vice president. And is like a villain in one or two seasons. And I thought he was so, so compelling in that role. Mm. Um, And I think that was the last time I saw him. It's like, oh, you know what? No, he's in Arrival as well.
0: Yes, that's what I was going to say. Arrival is one of my favorite movies. And he has a really compelling role in Arrival. That's
1: right. I've never seen it. Yeah.
0: Um, I know that's one I want to do in the future because I'm always talking about that movie. And people are like, yeah, I guess I need to see that. Yes, you
3: do. (laughs)
0: um so yeah he was in 24 uh he was in another tv series called satisfaction that seems like uh was on for a little while but i've not heard of it until now
1: um but 30. then another popular
0: oh, okay. show is the man in the high castle
1: are there any oh sure uh, are there any are there any shows or movies that you think i may have seen
0: uh, did you watch silicon valley
1: uh, I watched the show Silicon Valley for uh, two or three seasons.
0: Okay. Well, then he was in like the final season of Silicon Valley. Oh, so um, close.
1: He's also in Rush Hour and Rush Hour 3. I did see Rush oh. Hour and Rush Hour sh- 3. He, Ooh, you
0: okay. nailed it. You know exactly Cozy's taste. <laughs> that
1: wonderful. Well done. Who was he in those? What, what was his deal? Do you remember? Um, hold on a
2: second. I'm pulling up the info as we speak here. Perfect. Um, Magical. Filmography. Rush Hour 3. Solon Han?
1: Um, Yeah, I don't really remember any names from that movie.
2: Solon Han? Yeah.
1: I just have vague memories from the third one of bombs being attached to people in some way or something explodey. Well, you movie. just huh. asked
0: him to tell you who he was and you're like yeah, i don't no, remember I anything."
1: <laughs> i didn't mean the character name i meant like who was he in the story was he the villain was he a henchman what was the deal he
0: hasn't seen yeah. rush hour three
1: i
2: haven't seen rush hour three i saw rush hour when i was like a wee one you know
1: oh see that's what i was wondering i was like is there a chance that's why i was being like i don't know if you'll remember but like I'm not sure, but
2: <laughs> he's also you for may you may have seen him in the in the trailer for the live action Mulan he's in yeah. the live action Mulan Mulan in
0: as
1: her father I yeah. did not see the trailer for that
0: <laughs> he's in a really good movie that came out in April on Netflix called Tiger Tail that huh. I, I recommend um, that oh, was written by I the like guy who wrote uh, Master of None uh, uh, Alan Yang. Really
3: oh, awesome. Worked really cool.
0: closely writing with um, the other one. Aziz Ansari.
3: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> you know, we all chatted for about an hour before we started recording today, and I think I just realized <laughs> that uh, it's a bad idea because now my brain is totally shot. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry guys, we also. anyways, have-
2: I feel like this is just a long way of us saying you would probably recognize him
0: he's the most recognizable why. person um sure. other than Aquafina yeah. so um that's basically everything to get into as far as who's in it um but it's a very big, really talented ensemble cast uh, oh, and then the other the mom Aquafina's mom, is um played by a actress that people might recognize um named Diana Lynn, who's also in a lot of movies that you wouldn't know cozy, but other people might. Wow. Um, so I'm going to hop into the synopsis here. And I already read the synopsis before we got started and I started to cry. So I'm wondering if I got it out of my system. Let's see.
3: <laughs>
0: this is the uh, Blu-ray back of the box synopsis. After learning her family's beloved matriarch, Nene, Nai Oh, I do this every time. What's, which one is it, Pete? Nai Nai. Nai Nai. Okay. After learning her family's beloved matriarch Nai Nai has been given mere weeks to live, Chinese born, US raised Billy returns to Cheng Hun to find that her family has decided to keep the news from Nai Nai. While the family gathers under the joyful guise of an expedited wedding, Billy rediscovers the country she left as a child and is forever changed by her grandmother's wondrous spirit. And this richly moving story of how family can unite and strengthen us, often in spite of ourselves.
2: (laughs) How are you doing? I'm okay.
0: I was really, uh, I was trying to take my (laughs) separate my mind and body, um, which is I think worked really well.
2: Yeah, usually as a yoga teacher, I would recommend not doing that. But in this case, it's probably the best idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Psychologically speaking, it's not smart, but I'm back. I'm back and I'm ready to cry. I'm ready for whatever happens.
2: Yeah. So, Luce, I wonder if I can ask you a question based on my first reason that I'm going to present to Cozy. Please. Um, As I was watching this movie, I was like, one of my reasons was going to be like, This movie is so generous in that it allows, uh, you know, like Westerners, people who have never been to China or haven't grown up with like Chinese relatives. It really lets us in almost like bug on the wall to all of these family traditions and um, just kind of cultural traditions. Like there's, um, you know, mourning over the dead that you get to see. not necessarily the grandmother, but uh, the grandfather who had previously passed away. You get to see like a Chinese wedding reception um, and then kind of just what like a middle class Chinese family, like what it looks like. Yeah, um, um,
0: dinners, gatherings. Dinners,
2: yeah, yeah. And I, I, I thought like for a hot second, um, oh, this is a very unique storyline about this, you know, first-generation American, um, this story that you've never seen before. And I love that. But then as I was watching it, I was like, this feels so familiar to me. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like it's hitting these beats that we're all familiar with and are very common in American cinema and TV about, like, somebody who moves to a city and then they come back to their hometown and the whole movie or show is, like, them coming back to their hometown and, like, at first they don't like it and then through some relationships and stuff that happens during their time there they grow this new reappreciation for it um so i felt like my reason number one was like it feels like it straddles the line between these two very different kinds of movies um and blends them together really well and i i love that about this film
0: i agree i also love that about this film wait but was there a question in there
2: well, yeah, I mean, what? which, sorry, yeah, like, which, Um, did you feel like it leaned more in one direction or the other, like?
0: No, so actually, I don't know. what I have, this was my number two reason, but I'll, I'll pull it up for my number one so we can just have this full conversation about it. I think Aquafina is such a revelation in this film because she is, she's 100% both cultures, like, it's not like a 50-50, you can see... How much, and it's on her face, and it's in every interaction that she has, and all of the mo- motions behind her. It's, it's not just like um, I know my grandmother di- is dying, and we're all here to say goodbye to her, and this is a fake wedding. It's, it's like I'm, I'm also realizing my family that I don't get to see, and all these traditions I don't get to participate in, and this community that I had when I was here. And she, there's like grief over that, but then there's this also pull where you can see how much she appreciates a lot of her American culture and traditions as well. And that she is so very much of both worlds and sort of the pain and acceptance of what it's like to be straddling two worlds. And I think that that's so, I found that extremely compelling and fascinating as a um American born in America who is just trying to straddle Ohio and Los Angeles. <laughs> um uh-huh. which definitely is different but nothing at all like to like east and west. It's they talk about it in the movie. Characters, there's actually this really amazing uh quote because Aquafina wants to tell her grandmother that she has cancer because in America you could never they say it's illegal. You could never hide from somebody that they have cancer. You would have to tell them. Uh-huh. Um And there's an argument kind of between the family and um, Aquafina and her uncle get into this conversation. And her uncle has moved to Japan. So there's also, and his wife and their son uh, are in Japan. So then there's that interesting cultural tie as well. Um, And the uncle says at one point, you moved to the West a long time ago. You think that one's life belongs to oneself, but that's the difference between the East and the West In the East, a person's life is part of a family, a whole, a society. It's our duty to carry this emotional burden for her. And I just thought that was so moving and fascinating and really underscoring, like, the disparate, like, channels. Sort of, like, we're living very different cultural lives from people on the other side of the earth, you know? And that's not, and it's, I found it. Thrilling to get to be put in that space and get to, I don't know, as uh, Americans, you can be inside and with Aquafina and then experience her whole family life in a really um, natural and interesting way.
2: Yeah, I, I co sign all of that. Um, <clears throat> I, I think you said it beautifully. I love that quote. In um, another quote, Kind of dovetailing into what you're saying is something early in the film when we see Aquafina find out about her um, grandmother's cancer for the first time. Mm-hmm. She kind of walks into the room and her dad's upset. And
0: this is when they're still in America. They, they live in New York City.
2: Yeah, yeah, still in America at this point. And um, I don't, I can't remember. if It's her mom or her dad, but they say this. This quote that's, I guess, like this Chinese aphorism, but they're like, In China, they say when a Chinese person finds out they have cancer, they die. And you hear that and you're like, Well, duh, like <laughs> that makes total sense. But the true meaning of what they're saying is like, What causes them to die is them finding out they have cancer and the stress that arises from
3: that, right? That's and it's like fear. this very
2: Yeah. And the fear. Yes. And it's, yeah, it's like this very Eastern way of thinking about health and wellness, um, and how that incorporates into your family. Um, but, but yeah, I I loved that quote and I thought like, this is a kind of bleeding into another one of my reasons, but I think, um, I watched this with subtitles and, um, like the closed captions. And then the translation obviously is, is there. Um, But I think there's like a lot of comedy and a lot of like moments that I probably won't notice until I watch it like three more times (laughs) where like there are little bits of meaning underneath the translation um, that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on your first time watching this movie.
0: Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Was there anything that you know specifically?
2: Well, okay, so that that first quote was one. And then there are, like, there's some dialogue in this movie that you're, like, I guess as a writer in my head, I'm, like, you're not furthering the plot. You're not telling me anything about the character. <laughs> like, it's not achieving either of those things. And it's frustrating for me to hear this person say this thing. That's meaningless. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. But, like, in those moments, it almost felt to me like a very, very specific choice for an american audience to be watching that to just be like yeah things are different over here and if somebody is just like saying something offhand that has nothing to do with the story about like what's happening with the wontons that they're making like that's that's what this story needs i don't know it it had me it had me questioning like
1: story um, structure (laughs) story structure mm -hmm. and from an east and west perspective Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like I feel like for moments like that, I would be looking for metaphors in every single one of them.
0: I think there are a lot of metaphors in this movie, but none of it's heavy handed.
1: Perfect. Yeah.
0: Um, I think that brings up a really great point. Actually for my number two, I was going to talk about how, what a beautiful and complex script it is and how interesting the writing is. Um. And I just think that you really nailed it with what you just said. Um, There's also parts that aren't translated. One of my favorite, I'll get into this, one of my, I love the wedding banquet, and that's a full reason on its own, but my favorite parts of the wedding banquet is this drinking game that um, the main family is playing around the table with the new bride and groom, and they don't translate it, so you have no idea what they're saying, but they're doing it looks like it has something to do with chickens because they're doing like what we know as is uh, you know chicken wings, uh, like mm. chicken dance with their arms and their shoulders,
3: yeah.
0: um, and it's I really think it's interesting when movie, especially movies that are like obviously there are American made movies that don't give subtitles to um, Asian characters sometimes. And that is a form of racism. And so basically like elevating the white voices over um, Asian voices. But in, in here in this movie made by a Chinese woman and Chinese American woman about her life and her experience. Every one of those choices I think is really interesting when there aren't subtitles, because it's, I feel like it speaks to a, a commonality across you know, the world almost of like, yeah, I can watch this. And I know they're playing a drinking game. Like, I don't need to know what they're saying. Like the actual words to Americans or English speakers, anyone who doesn't speak Chinese doesn't matter. And I like that because Aquafina's character, Billy says many times and people tease her, her family throughout the movie that her Chinese is bad. She wants to stay in China after the wedding to take care of her grandmother. And her mom's like, you can't, you have a terrible Chinese. And she's always, you know, apologizing for her bad Chinese, which seems great to a, <laughs> an English speaker who doesn't know Chinese. Um, and so I think it's interesting the way that they play with language in the script and like what's shown on the screen and not. And like what doesn't need to be what doesn't need to be understood through exact language really means a lot, because there's a a lot. Grief is something that you see everybody carrying in these different ways in this movie based on culture. And that's the thing that really unites no matter who you are watching it you can be like yes i am here with this family even though all of these traditions are interesting and different and um the way they're handling things like you understand aquafina's shock but at the same time you understand every other single person's feelings there's this commonality to a lot of the emotional experiences and i think that's really incredible writing
2: yeah i i totally agree i um I love that interpretation of that scene because that that wasn't how I viewed it. But oh, um,
0: I mean, I would love to hear what your thoughts were on that scene. Well, I, I I guess the way I viewed it, but
2: but it doesn't it doesn't negate yours at all. I think it probably is a little bit of both. Like the way I viewed it was like kind of the movie had earned at this point. It in my in my opinion, like a scene, like we knew these characters well enough. Th- that those moments where they dropped the subtitles it just felt like to me it sort of felt like um how do i phrase this in the right way it it sort of meant to me like things are just as good from an eastern perspective or in the chinese language or just as joyous mm. or just as whatever is english so you don't need your english anymore you don't need your americanness anymore like Everything you need is right here.
0: Mm, I love that. Yeah. Um, joy doesn't have a language. It's like a feeling. Yeah. Experience.
2: Yeah. But I, but I, now that I'm saying it, I'm like, I think that's just a different shade of what you're
0: saying. Yeah, definitely. I think those go together. Um, so yeah, my number two reason reason—the this is really compelling writing <laughs> to sum it up.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: What's your number two?
2: Um, well my number two was uh, kind of the the like subtle moments in the translation and the subtitles. Oh, um, oh okay. which I sort of which I sort of touched on um, but I'll go to my number three yeah yeah um, which is uh, I think we preface this up top a little bit but I think both Aquafina and Zhao Zhen Um, deserved Oscar nominations at least for their performances Mm -hmm. like they again so much of this movie had a bug on the wall feel to me where I was just like oh my gosh I get to watch this beautiful relationship
0: Mm unfold yeah it felt
2: like a yeah it was so personal so personal and like their chemistry is unbelievable like this feels so much like um like, my relationship with my grandma. Yes, not to same. N- not to mention even, like, the, this grandma, um, Nai, Nai, her hairstyle is the exact same as my grandma's hairstyle. They're, like, physicality so, so similar.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and there's something that Nai, Nai calls Billy <laughs> throughout the movie. <laughs> and I was trying to find the right Chinese um, translation for it, and I couldn't. But she just keeps calling her stupid child over and over <laughs> again and she says it with like Glee. such heart and such love yeah and it's like it's kind of like you know the Amer- uh, if an American calls you stupid you kind of take it as an insult That's pretty mean. but in this way yeah yeah but in like the way she says it to Billy is very much just like you just haven't learned yet and I love that about you yeah almost like you know? silly like,
0: instead of stupid like he's silly yeah he's really
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, but it makes me want to use the word stupid more in a loving way. <laughs> I,
0: know, I thought that same thing. I love their relationship. It totally reminds me of my grandmother. I mean, that's a big part of the reason that it makes me cry is that it just, if you told me that they, that was her grandmother, I'd be like, Oh, that's why they're so close. Like, it's so hard to believe that that's, that they're not related. That's how personal and emotional and sweet and funny and cute they are
2: yeah totally totally um
0: i guess so i I did some reading or i was listening (laughs) i get really confused between watching and reading and listening um (laughs) the interview with lulu wang on the on the blu-ray release is really good i recommend it um and she talks about you know how her producers suggested aquafina and they had a meeting um to talk about it and aquafina was really like yeah i know i don't act and i know you haven't seen me like this yet but she talked about how like her grandmother or excuse me her mother died when she was four which is something i didn't know about her and then her chinese grandmother um when she died how difficult it was for her and like what a close relationship she had with her chinese grandmother and how much the script felt really similar to her own lived experience so i I, oh
2: wow i think she's bringing
0: that with her cuz you can see that Yeah,
2: I totally feel that. You
0: can see the love in her eyes. Like that's that's seen that's fucking hard to do. Like you can tell actors that aren't 100% present even if they're funny or enjoyable to watch they're not emotionally present necessarily a lot of actors.
2: Yeah, now that you say that that makes so much sense because every step along the journey of this film you just feel like Aquafina completely gets it like she's so so deep in this character like yeah it does not surprise me at all that she had that experience
0: uh and i do want to say too she did win a golden globe for this role for best actress in, uh, i think a comedy or was it that's weird framing but okay it was a drama um every now and then they'll be like comedy or musical and you're like wait it's (laughs) (laughs) why do you have these categories um, so she did, and you know the Golden Globe is still something. But to get to win a Golden Globe and then not even be nominated for an Oscar is wild to me.
2: Mm. Yeah, I'm happy she got something.
0: Um, me too. So, what
2: is your number three? Yes. Uh,
0: so my number three is: I love the way this movie is filmed. I love every frame that they use. They use she uses a ton of wide. Angles. There's not a lot of close ups. There's so many wides. And a lot of times, she is, when Aquafina is in the frame, she's placing her at the bottom of the frame. And so that the rest of the screen, you're looking at everything else around her. And you really feel like the enormity of her experience through that framing choice. Um, everybody can relate to like a feeling of overwhelm or a feeling of being out of control and a situation being bigger than yourself. And I feel like visually Lulu Wang is setting us up for that feeling when we watch Aquafina just being this small creature in a large space. Um, they do it in some really beautiful places. Like they go to a day spa, her and her father and I and her aunt, which I really love. Because there's a scene of just the two of them sitting next to each other, at the bottom of the frame. And then there's this really deeply ornate wallpaper behind them, and the chair they're sitting in is gorgeously carved, and there's a lot happening in that design element. And then they're both wearing patterned, um, you know, spa clothing. And It's very similar to what somebody might recognize as like a a Wes Anderson framing, but it doesn't have any of the sort of it's not followed by like continuous dollhouse shots like that. But they're just so they just feel so large, like so much of this movie feels so epic to me and so personal at the same time. And I just love I love the way that she accomplishes that with these simple framing devices and i don't say simple to mean anybody could do it just that it's not like whoa a dolly zoom you know like it's just really beautiful it's like you're looking at a portrait
2: yeah yeah totally totally i i was wondering um because i just started paying attention to it like midway through this watch like it felt to me at least in china when aquafina is there um Almost all of the shots, if not all of the shots, are stationary. Like, there's mm-hmm. no movement of the camera. Yes. Um, and the moment... It, that just made those moments where the camera moves pop all the more. Like, there's the moment at the end when, um, you know, she's going back to the airport. Mm. And the camera is pulling, pulling back. away.
3: Oh, God, um, that...
2: And it's it's just, like, heartbreaking.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but but the, I feel like that moment hits so so hard because we've just been watching for like the past forty minutes or whatever it is like
0: very this series shots. of
2: gorgeous yeah static shots mm-hmm. totally
0: yes absolutely because then when the camera moves you feel you're being carried away the way that yep. and like that you can't stop it which is very like yes yeah. yeah, she's moved she has to go back to New York so there's like that feeling but there is also when you know somebody is sick or they're going to die there is that feeling of just that you're on a fucking trolley and you can't get off of it and like that this is just gonna death trolley keeps on chugging like yeah so like that that feeling of like I'm on a ride that I can't get off on is accomplished so well in that shot and I I just think it's brilliant to be able to push your story out with frames like that like that takes so much Planning and thought and foresight, and like, how am I going to further the emotion of this script with my camera? And that it's part of what makes it such a perfect film.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I'm 100% with you. I love
0: that you brought up that final scene. I didn't have that written down at all, but that is that's right. I didn't put those two, that is why that works so well. So, thank you yeah, for sharing I, that part of it. Kind of starting to choke me up. <laughs>
2: Totally. I mean, it, it blends into this conversation blends into my reason number four. So I'll just go there please, if that's okay. Please. Um, this is a movie, it's like an hour and 35 minutes or so in runtime, mm-hmm. but, um, you or myself, and this has happened each three times I've watched it, but I will constantly be looking at how much time is left <laughs> and knowing that, it's kind of like this ticking time until the end like it makes me more emotional <laughs> because the movie so successfully achieves this notion of like when the movie ends, you know you aren't going to like be with this relationship anymore and with this grandmother anymore.
3: Mm. and
2: um, you are just like so in the shoes of Aquafina in that way where, like like Luce, what you're saying, like the death trolley is not stopping, and you know that this visit has to end at some point. Mm-hmm. Um and it it just amplifies the emotion so much more. Um and I know this movie is called the Farewell in English translation, so that kind of ties into what we're saying. And this is a bit of a side note, but I I read that the Chinese translation translates to don't tell her, mm. not the farewell.
0: Oh my god. Which I thought
2: was an interesting, interesting distinction. That just yeah. gave
0: me chills. Yeah. Cause it's the difference between like what Aquafina knows she's doing and like what everybody in China is like. It's the two different yep. motives.
2: Mm. Yep, absolutely.
0: whoof that really got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really, I like that um, insight a lot, Pete, because um, they keep talking about how this is an expedited wedding and how they, in real, in, in real life, the, the Japanese, um, the cousin who lives in Japan and then his wife, who is actually Japanese and doesn't ever know what anyone's saying the entire time, <laughs> it's just yeah. so forlorn. And a lot of comedy, I think, comes from when the camera is on her face. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And everybody, they've only been dating for three months and they're not really getting married because they're just basically <laughs> were sacrificed to do this <laughs> for the ruse. And I really think it is, um, it's interesting because everyone's talking about how fast it is. And when you get there to China with Aquafina, it's just like so much family time. It reminds me so much of going home for Christmas, which I know is a different vibe, but just the, at first, you're languishing. You're kind of just like, "Oh, I'm just laying on the couch. It's just great to be back in my family home. We're all having food together. We're gonna watch a movie." And then, like, they go to the spa, and so there's an activity day. And then all of a sudden, it's Christmas, which is the wedding. And then all of a sudden, it's over. And like by the time Aquafina's is leaving, it's so shocking because you're like, "That wasn't enough time with Grandma."
2: <laughs> yep. And totally.
0: You, I hadn't thought of it like that and it it really is part of the sadness is it feels like it's perfect i mean it's a perfect length of a movie but this is one of those films that could be longer and would not i would not have been mad um but if this yeah
2: i yeah i just truly i wanted this movie just to never end like the relationship is so so well done and you i i don't know like you just have to watch that to really feel It feels exactly like what the story is trying to tell. Like it's the exact feeling. And I I felt this the same way with my grandmother who is suffering from COPD. And like, I saw her one Christmas in the nursing home and I remember having a very similar goodbye with her. And it was the last time I saw her, Um, but similar goodbye that Aquafina had here where I was like, I pretty, I'm pretty sure this is the last time I'm going to talk to you. But you say goodbye and you're like, um, I'm going to visit you soon. Or like, I can't wait for the next time we get to hang out together.
0: Yeah. You Um, can't say goodbye. It's just like, we'll do this again. Like,
2: (laughs) yeah. Next time.
0: And I guess all this to say, too, I know, Cozy, you said in the beginning that your fear was that this was just like a sad cancer movie. And I feel like as we're talking about it in this way, it's not necessarily dissuading that assumption. (laughs) Um, But I do have to say that I hope what's coming across is that even though (laughs) we're deeply touched by it, a lot of my emotion really comes from the beauty of it. And not there's no melodrama like I think we have all seen we've had our fill, I'm sure, of American films that are just like twisting the knife and Mm -hmm. the swell of music and the devastation. And just like I cannot with those movies like I hate I hate them because Mm -hmm. they're so insincere to me and they're so manipulative to me. And they I don't want to be fucked with by a film. (laughs) And I just want people to know that that's not what this is it's not just like emotion tragic porn you know emotion porn what is that
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense to me from what uh, everybody's been saying about it it's, it sounds like a well made version of a movie that I normally would not care about at all but like the way that it's well made is I feel like enough to make it a good movie
3: <laughs> yeah For
2: and sure. like the grandmother's
0: grandmother is so yeah. funny were you going to say that? Because well, I think the grandmother is a fucking hoot
2: she's a hoot and like her personality the whole time is like you see Aquafina's dour face you see her uncle crying you see so many people moving through this movie all of them knowing mm-hmm. what's going to come for this grandmother and I do think this will be interesting to talk to you about Luce but I do think it's unclear whether the grandmother knows what's going on Mm. or if she doesn't.
0: I wondered Um, that also just because of a couple scenes with like her looking at her tests that they doctor her tests. She gets like a CT scan and then her sister and Aquafina and a couple other family members like go to like basically the, the copy mat or whatever. And like, yeah. They photoshop it. Good Lord. But
1: like
2: the grandmother's, the grandmother is looking at all of these family members of hers, and she keeps saying, "Like, why are you so sad? This is a wedding. We're supposed to be
0: having fun. This is
2: exciting. Yeah, yeah like I'm going to complain about the food for the catering or whatever. Oh, like, God. I love that know? scene.
0: There's this incredible scene where, like, she's upset because she ordered lobster, but then when she gets there to look at the hall, they tell her it's crab, and she cannot. <laughs> Bear it. Like she is so <laughs> devastated. She checks like three different people. And then her son, um, Aquafina's uncle, the one who lives in Japan, and his the father of the boy that's getting married. He's like, Mom, mom, come on, just sit down. Don't upset yourself. And he's upset because he doesn't want her to be upset because she actually has cancer. But the only thing she's upset about is lobster. And it's it's <laughs> so funny. Like, I think it's like such a funny, yeah. sweet scene, and I think there we haven't talked much about the humor in this movie. Um, and I do have to confirm that Aquafina did win Best Actress for Comedy or Musical at the Golden Globes, um, because this movie is very yeah. funny.
1: Tell me about it. Yeah, I want to hear about that. That that feels like a, a real um, differentiating point for me.
0: I almost don't. Uh, pete do you have I more know. to that it's it's really the grandma it's really the the differentiation between the fact that everybody she's been told they, everybody's been told that the grandma only has like three more months to live except for right. the grandmother so okay. everyone is yeah. like pete said everyone is dour and trying to put on a happy face and the grandmother is actually a very joyful playful bright shining light is just so engaged with every person she talks to and she's you know, she coughs a little bit here and there and that's like disgust as part of the plot. But like other than Mm. other than that, you wouldn't think she had cancer. She obviously doesn't. Well, we don't know if she knows, but we don't think that she knows she has cancer. She's moving through life on a sunbeam and everybody else around her is just like, oh, God. And then those two just that juxtaposition. There's a lot of humor from that throughout the movie.
1: What's what's the what's an example of playfulness from her?
2: Um, so, like the first scene that you get to see with her and Aquafina, just the two of them, is like the day after Aquafina lands. Mm-hmm. Um, and she like walks outside and her grandma is doing this like oh, yes. very traditional Chinese, um, like it, it seems like an aerobic exercise or breath exercise. Okay. Um, and so she's outside and she's like doing, I'm going to butcher it, but she's kind of making these forward push motions with both her arms and she's just exhaling out of her mouth audibly. So she goes like, "huh, huh. and um, you know, she explains to Aquafina like why you should be doing this for your health. Mm. Um, but you get to see Aquafina as this like very Americanized Chinese American look at this and like giggle at her grandma, like moving around and her grandma sort of being like, And you can put your hands here if you want while you're doing it, or you can put your hands here. Mm -hmm. And she's just like going throughout her day in this like playful way. And then you see, you know, as Luce was saying, you see the juxtaposition of Aquafina's face,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: like being like, oh my gosh, like how is this woman like going about this like pretty banal Wednesday afternoon routine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: yeah, it almost and has like a so tai chi see- feel to it, but it's almost like tai chi for grandmas.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, for and, sure. and but the joke's
0: not on her. It's it's no. like when your mom does something silly and mom like, and you're not like ew mom, but you're like oh mom,
2: right? I yeah. Yeah, and um gosh, maybe that wasn't the greatest example, but I but I guess you see, <laughs>
0: well the thing what, is it's not jokes. S- That's the thing. That's why it's, it's kind of hard to explain what makes it funny because there aren't j- it's not really a comedy. Um
1: right. she's not playful in a in a messing with people having fun sort of way. Any any of the, the the play isn't from one side to the other. It's more playful in life and it seems funny. Is that what it is more?
2: Yeah, and- it, it, it and it's her like you know, making a, you know, I think the catering scene is a great example because it's mm-hmm. like her making a big deal out of a low stakes thing mm-hmm. where we all know the stakes are so high in this movie. Right. And it's I think really that. Small.
0: That's a okay. great. Yeah. That's the, the different stakes that she, she is raising the stakes on the smallest things. And meanwhile, everyone else is like, oh my God. <laughs>
1: like, right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good to know.
0: Well, and then um, I'll get to my fifth reason, um, yeah. which I, the, a lot of humor comes from as well. My fifth reason is that, uh, oh, wait, are we on fifth reasons or did I even say my fourth reason? Because I just realized I didn't talk about, there were two more things I had to talk about.
2: Did you talk about? Oh, yeah. I I did a fourth. I'm not oh, sure. Oh,
0: you're right. We talked about sure comedy kind of as, well. as an offshoot. Um, okay, sorry. So I'm on fourth. Um, I'll just switch my fourth and fifth reason and say that one of my all time favorite scenes in the movie is the wedding banquet scene, um, because I think it captures the energy of like family events so well and like a fun family event, not one that you're dreading going to, but one that's like a wedding where everything is going right, you know, where the bar is free and uh, all your favorite cousins are there and somebody their friends like the person getting married has really funny friends and all the toasts are really good and the music is perfect and the food is great and everyone looks nice and you're feeling like your best self like this is that but not in a in a movie way just in like a damn this is fucking fun like the the wedding is so fun and it's all fake um but they're in it like they're they're living it up like a real a real wedding and i I love that um, you see so many things like it's clearly a wedding reception, but everything about it is different from an American wedding reception. The thing that stood the most out to me was that nobody really dressed up. Um, like a lot of people are wearing like really normal street clothes. Um, and that's just like a small aspect of it. I'm like, God, can you imagine if you wore like Alkafina wearing like black pants and a gray T-shirt? Can you imagine the fit? a bride would throw if somebody like came to their wedding in
3: that
0: <laughs> I know I know you just see like an angry yeah. Facebook post like two months later about well Tracy and I aren't friends anymore did you see what she wore to my wedding <laughs> um
2: yeah I love that aspect of it too Luce. like it it felt like we were we were seeing a traditional Chinese wedding but like in the modern day like there wasn't much like ceremony or pageantry it was just like we just got to see kind of the party afterwards yeah, celebration. And what that looks like
0: yeah and again the celebration aspect is um Timeless is the word that's coming up, but that's not the word that I mean. Uh, evergreen, uh, celebration looks the same everywhere. Like, you know when someone's lively and joyful. And, like, their their traditions and the way the banquet unfolds is different than our receptions would unfold here. But it's just, like, their joy translates completely to, like, our joy here. And so a lot of the things that happen at the wedding are very, very funny and very enjoyable to watch. And... um, just like people get really drunk and people are singing and they don't sound good, but like hmm. it's, uh, everyone is so lively. It's, I, I love that scene so much. I think it is a, a perfect scene that's filled with comedy, but then also it switches really quick. You know, it's, people get really drunk, which is very funny, but then you realize that like they're also tapping really hard into the emotion of like why they're really there. And then some people have these like really intense emotional breakdowns and hmm. um, and it's just such a, there's so much happening in that scene. And it's like the climax of the film, essentially. So they really make you feel it. Like there's a lot of ramping up and like intensity to it. It's a great climax.
2: Yep. I, I completely agree. Um, and this this is occurring to me. I feel like I probably should have said this sooner. But relating um, relating back to that scene they go to the grandpa's graveyard to like,
0: Oh, I love that scene. Every scene in this movie is so perfect.
2: (laughs) So good. But you know, they go, they go with the grandma, they go with the whole family basically. And you learn earlier in the movie that, um, Nai Nai, the grandma, um, did this whole shtick to the grandpa. She didn't tell him that he had, I think cancer. Mm. Um, and she kind of, loved him in the same way the whole family is trying to love her by not telling her. Uh-huh. Um, and so it's this really interesting moment where they're all at the grave. So, you know, that nine is thinking about that while she's here and you know, that she's getting these like medical evaluations. Um, and this is not going anywhere where I wanted to <laughs> whatsoever, <laughs> but I love this. I love this scene so much. What I was going to say about the scene is you get to see um you get to see like how you're supposed to grieve at a like Chinese burial site. Hmm. And it's this very overwrought, absolutely performative, like whale crying. Oh. Like in a way where you're like, nobody is like sobbing, you know, they, seriously. They say in this that way.
0: families hire professional criers. So yeah, they can show how upset they are. And it's just, it's operatic crying. It's
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, there's like singing in it. Yeah. Cry.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's very, but I felt
2: felt like that including that was so useful Mm -hmm. in this movie for the comedy, because it made it allows you to like get to that place emotionally watching it. And then to also realize, like, oh my god, I'm sobbing as hard as that performative sobber. <laughs> like, like let me let me dial it back, you know? Yeah,
0: and it's interesting too because they just can't they can't show any emotion. So it's like you can't yeah. even show the regular amount of emotion, much less the performative amount. Like you, everyone else's performativity has to be like we're happy, everything is fine. And the juxtaposition of like crying performatively versus like pretending you have no emotions performatively is really interesting.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: The burial scene is cool too, because you also, you see that that's another funeral that's happening while the family is at the gravesite of the grandfather and you get to see a tradition that's really similar to day of the dead in Mexican culture where they're putting food out on the grave for the grandfather to eat. And it's a very funny scene because they're all kind of just, I mean, I don't, is it supposed to be funny or am I just not, I'm, it's not my culture and I'm laughing inappropriately at it. I just love what they're like, he's going to eat this. He'll enjoy it like this. And like they, there's this, <laughs> uh, Ty, Ty, May's character, the dad lights a cigarette. And the grandmother is like, he doesn't smoke. He quit smoking. Don't give him a cigarette. (laughs) And It's it's just like legitimately funny, right? Because then they're like, oh, you didn't know he picked it back up. And then the brother is like, he's dead. What's the worst thing that could happen? Let the man smoke. And just the the presentness of him and the acknowledgement of him being dead, but also in this... um, uh, cultural, you know, uh, event, moment, uh, tradition. You also put the food out and uh, drinks and things for them, the dead to enjoy. And I just, I found a lot of warmth and humor and love in that scene as well.
2: Yeah, I, I felt the same thing. And I, I thought, I don't think you're being a dumb American or whatever you said by laughing at it. Like, I think, I think it's intentionally funny because we're just seeing like, how, how far apart like that tradition is from where um, from where Aquafina's character is at,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: like, um, yeah, and just kind of like how impractical it is, but also how important it is to still do that,
0: right? And how community because that's a long thread that runs throughout the movie is how important community and family is, and the fact yes. that they all go and do this together. Um, Isaac and I saw in the theater together, and then he rewatched it with me this morning. And he was like, "I love, I love that. I love that. I love these types of customs and the celebratoriness of them, and everybody going together to visit the grave." And I was like, "Yes, that seems so. It seems so fulfilling to keep someone's memory alive." And that's when I moved to LA, and there's such big Day of the Dead festivals here, and Ohio, Mexico is very far away and they, we don't see Mexican traditions in uh, Ohio very much. So I learned mm. a lot about Day of the Dead when I moved here and I just became obsessed with it, the joy around it and the the keeping the memories present and the importance of, of keeping an altar and, and not forgetting people's names and faces and keeping them alive through generations. I just think it's so beautiful and humane and loving. And again, it goes back to that like, In America, the the quote of like in the West, you think you belong to yourself, but in the East, you're a part of a community. And I think that we can really see how that's poorly affecting us now during a pandemic, when people are very focused on singular what they want to do, individuality, versus, you know, Wuhan is open and thriving, (laughs) and like doing really well because they do have a community uh, mindset about everybody taking care of each other um and yeah it gave me like a sense of longing of like wishing that uh we had that type of because i haven't gone to any of my grandparents graves and not out of disrespect but it's just not something that is an opportunity really and you know it's far away also but the, well, i just love yeah, the idea of like I, yearly go back and celebrate all the family at the grave it seems nice
2: Yeah, and I mean, I'm speaking for myself here, but, like, there's an element to me watching this movie um, and seeing the family all under one roof where I was, like, I love the community aspect and the familial aspect, but, like, I couldn't help but think, like, in America, moving back home with your parents or, like, living with that full family, it's, like, seen as this weakness or, like, this failure because so much... Of like the American dream is like, oh, go out and make it on your own and like start your own family somewhere separate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, your own
0: family. You're right. Definitely. And do better than your parents did. It's like this constant competition even within your own family.
2: (laughs) Right, right. So I I think there's like an, an aspect of like what we understand the American dream or the standard to be that like would look at something like this with disdain. And yeah, I don't know. I um I agree that it's something I wish uh I wish we would adopt more of.
0: Yeah, and you can definitely see the disdain only even between like generations and how like the m- m- you know, the majority, I don't know about the majority, but like the largest part um like our generation is staying with their families and zoomers with their families more than any generation before. And for longer, living with their parents and just the articles, the think pieces, the nonstop talking about how millennials can't buy houses and live on their own. So much disdain and humiliation that everyone is supposed to feel when in the movie they just talk about like. How great China is and how they shouldn't have left. I mean, there's these really interesting debates happening about like what's better, China or America, that's like throughout the whole movie that I found really fascinating as well. And yeah,
2: totally. I mean, if I had 10 reasons, that would have been one of them too. Yeah.
0: This, I am fucking obsessed with this movie. <laughs> it's so good well did we wrap on your fifth reason i'm sorry pete i don't even know where we are anymore this has gotten out of control the death trolley i I have (laughs) (laughs) it's going so fast
1: i have a i have a fifth and it's
2: pretty small so i'll I'll keep it i'll keep it quick but um you know the the overriding secret of this movie is um you know this family keeping this diagnosis from nine eye but there's another secret for a lot of the movie, um, which is that Aquafina at the very beginning is applying for, I think, the Guggenheim Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an artist, and she gets like her rejection letter right before she goes to China. And you get to watch her hold on to that secret, and then I, I won't kind of spoil how it all unfolds, but you do watch her open up about that aspect and i thought that was a really relatable um personally for me part of the movie just watching somebody lose lose something or you know get a rejection and climb themselves out of it by by finding another part of their life um that maybe they haven't appreciated but they like realize they need to appreciate Um, and that was just like, I guess, kind of a sub story throughout this whole thing. Um, I, I would want to watch it again because I do feel like it's weirdly integral to the whole thing.
0: Yeah, because um, she's definitely grieving two losses. And she's thinking about she lost this thing in New York and it's making her rethink why is she living in New York? She really misses everything. She feels like she misses so much in China. and She's even talking about maybe staying and taking care of her grandmother. And her mom's mm-hmm. like, don't, you're only 30. Don't throw your life away to live in China um right right and it's really interesting to watch that her thinking that through in the movie of like what did i i i spent all this time in america and i lost and i didn't get this felt the thing i was working for and i'm losing my grandmother who i didn't get to spend time with because i was in america doing this other thing and it's like these two losses the feeling like you're missing everything and there's no right way or to be or place to be felt yeah Again, even yeah, just totally. like, living across it, the country and being like, I don't get to see my best friend's kids grow up, you know, and like how hard just the things I feel like I'm missing just being across the country. Yeah,
2: yeah I mean, a million percent, like when my um, last grandmother passed away, um, I was in the beginning of a relationship with this guy. And it was like, it was the type of relationship that was super codependent. <laughs> but I remember... <laughs> one of the worst days when I was sort of like, oh, I don't think this is going to work with this guy was like the day I found out my grandmother passed away and it was just like he wanted me to be around and like emotionally present and all this stuff. And I remember just being like, I don't think I can be there for you. You know, like I'm grieving this thing. And then at the time in that relationship, I remember thinking in my head, like, well, my grandma would want me to be, like, happy in this relationship. And so I ended up, like, not allowing myself to grieve the loss, Aww. really, because I was kind of turned around in my head about what I should be doing, you know?
3: Wow, um, yeah.
2: But but having that experience and watching this movie, I was like, I don't know, I just could totally empathize with that situation,
0: Oh yeah. I just, I any mean, yes, all codependent relationships. I can relate. Uh, so my fifth reason is that I love the music in this movie. I love the score. It is beautifully done. Um, the person who scored this film is, uh, named, uh, I almost said Alex winter, Alex, yeah. <laughs> Alex Weston is the composer of, um, many of the main like the main theme basically um and i guess he was uh philip glass's assistant for many years
3: Mm. uh
0: which is interesting oh cool and it's just it's such like a haunting heartbreaking beautiful score that's really unlike anything i've heard um it has like prominent use of voices uh like chanting kind of and I think that's really interesting. Lulu Wang actually said that she wanted there to be, she wanted it to sound like a Greek chorus and how it functions also, because it's like the opening theme and it's like the theme when she's going to China and how it kind of functions as a warning to Billy of like what's to come and like what she has to conquer and the decisions, everything that she'll be facing on this trip. Uh, But also it's like nears the voices and sounds of community and family. There's so much everybody, all the dinner scenes and the wedding scene, there's so much everyone's chatting and talking and sharing stories and laughing. And I think it's so amazing the way the score really mimics that with the voices. And um, when she's all alone, she still has a sense of community with her through the score. That's cool.
2: Yeah, that's a beautiful point. I, I also loved the music, but I, I never thought about it, um, the choral aspect of it, but you're totally right.
0: Uh, Maybe, well, I'll look for it. I think we should be able to pull it and hopefully we can uh, tack it on at the end of this episode.
3: <laughs> yeah, perfect.
0: Um, I also read a really good interview with Alex Weston about putting this together and I'll put that in the show notes too because it's Really, really interesting. Um, and I don't know a lot about composing. So just like reading about the way he and Lulu Wang worked together, I think is really fascinating. Um, as someone who is in the beginning of my directing career, uh, she was really just in every aspect of how this movie was designed. And you can you can tell like movies by like tr- like real true filmmakers who just like this is my story. And I have my hand in every aspect of it. I just, I really love those because the the story is so clear. The vision is so clear, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I've made music for one short film before. So I have a little bit of experience. Um, and that was like a super collaborative process. Like I remember going back and forth with like multiple versions of this song and like it was kind of written as this like offbeat folk song at first. And then they were like, you know, kind of guiding me through the script and they were like, we actually want more of a punk sound. And so it, like completely transformed the song into a punk sound. But I think mm-hmm. the great uh, or the greatest way to like interact collaborator and filmmaker or a uh, composer and filmmaker is to be super collaborative like that.
0: Yes, no, I totally agree. And I didn't know that you did any film scores. That's so cool, Pete.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it was a short film and it was it was just a song. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a ton of work, but but yeah, I love doing that sort of stuff.
0: Very cool. Well, Cozy, we really went in depth <laughs> in this review. And I think, you know, anytime that we're not quite sure if we're gonna snag you or not, I feel like we go really, really hard. So how are you feeling? <laughs> what do you think? Would you see this movie? Um, this
1: was a tough one for me because, you know, at the beginning I was pretty, uh, pretty not into it, you know, and I had some assumptions and opinions about sort of the way that it would cling to a generic cancer narrative and things like that, and that it would be all doom and gloom. And that doesn't usually take me somewhere. And I don't, I'm not really a family person. I don't really care much about family. It's not compelling to me very much. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it's me um
0: just cold-hearted evil cozy
1: yeah answer, exactly <laughs> and uh, uh something about community i don't care a lot about but some things yes I you do. do
0: you love your improv community
1: yeah there's some things i do care about with it too that's that's the thing is i'm not like anti or against in any way it's just some parts of it are less compelling i think when it comes to family maybe maybe it's when it's related to that i don't know maybe i relate less to a movie like this um Uh, But I think that when we got into the granular aspects of it a little bit more and I started to understand a little bit more about um, the really the comedy of it, even though it's not a comedy, as you said multiple times, it's like the comedy of it is what would hook me more than a family movie about family. So I think that sometimes it's about finding the things that you could love in something and having that bring you to what is clearly a well-constructed movie that could uh, pull those heartstrings because you're there already, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I definitely would see this movie based on specifically on this episode, you know, and before it, I definitely probably would not have bothered, but Wow.
0: Go us.
1: Yeah. I would say that the central, what sounds like a very fun and interesting central relationship between those two characters is what brings me in the most along with granular details about the wedding and the cigarette thing. Um, both of the, all those make me feel like it would be something I would like to watch as opposed to something that maybe would be like a lesson almost. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause you want to learn about these things, but you also want to be, you also want to be hooked and entertained and pulled in.
0: Yeah, and- for sure. I don't feel like there's a lesson in this movie necessarily.
1: Uh, I mean, it definitely sounded like there were some lessons about about um, uh, going, you know, looking at your roots and understanding them a little bit more, and kind of those contrasts between America and Chinese culture, and uh, and things like that, and the lesson of do or we, do we not talk about it? Does community matter or does individual matter? Those sounded like lessons to me. <laughs> I guess a I-
0: lesson. I hear lesson, and I think it's like listen. You learn this. And you learn it good. And the and this feels more like. Ideas that are um, prompted.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot better. It, that sounds very good to me in comparison. Because it's
0: not lecturing you. It's not like you should take this away from it. You know, it's not like an a, a, an environmental disaster movie where it's yeah, like it's if you don't change movie. your ways. Yeah, you know?
1: Yeah, movie. That's good because I worried that it would be a messagey movie. So that's very good.
2: No, it doesn't. Mm. It doesn't feel messagey at all. What I would say is it maybe brings up these things in like an active conversation like mm-hmm. um, they, they more so feel like themes than like this is your takeaway to you know bring out, <laughs> bring out of the movie theater um, and, and yeah I think like I just think it's just such a rich depiction of like life in China on an average day um, yeah. I, I can't think of like another movie that I've seen that does that as well as this
0: oh that's cool yeah that's the thing i felt like i felt like i got out of it what you get out of traveling which is so expensive and so difficult and i've only been out of the country a couple of times mostly to canada and just the fact that i felt like i could see what was like a chinese family a modern chinese family was like and like what their day-to-day like lives and customs and also like larger traditional stuff like weddings and death like Seeing every aspect of a totally different culture's life, but then also seeing how it's very similar to your own lived experience was just so life affirming to me. It made me feel joyful about being here. And like, it made me be like, man, isn't it great that we're all really different? And like, this is why we shouldn't try to all bulldoze each other's culture and make like one assimilating culture because it's not interesting. Like, it's just so, and I, and I don't mean it in an exoticism way either. It's not like, wow, oh my God, can you believe these Chinese? Like, <laughs> no, it,
2: it never feels that way.
0: Well, because it's made by a, a Chinese American woman too, right? So like, yeah. I think you'd be hard pressed even as an asshole to be like, wow, how can I? Right. Assholes are really good at doing it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it would just be hard to even take something away to appropriate because it's just so grounded um and i just feel like it's so successful at being like we're all the same but also the things that make us different are really like have meaning and america is not the fucking center of the universe so i think if there's any lesson that maybe that's it (laughs)
1: Yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah, as long as it's delivered in a way that feels um, that feels woven in rather than hammered in, <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, That's the man? thing. Like that.
0: Yeah, it's her story, so she's. It's really just her telling her own experience. It's not like, well, yeah, you take this away from watching. Yeah, that this.
1: great. Then absolutely, <laughs> and like,
0: and even if like
2: even if you do feel like towards the end of the movie that you're like, oh gosh, like she really needs to return to her roots or whatever. You see her come back to America, and, like, there's this gorgeous shot of her walking down a street in New York City. And you can... It just stays on her for a little while, and you see all the people passing by. You see, like, an Hasidic Jewish man. You see, like, every single race, every age of person passing her. And it's just this, like, amazing contrast to what is a very, like racially homogenous society that she was in in China. Cause in China, you're just seeing um, mostly Chinese people and a couple of Japanese people for, for the bulk of the film. But then suddenly she's back in New York city and you've just been hearing like how great and how much she thinks she should be returning to her Chinese roots. And then you come back to this shot and it's like, Oh wow. Like America is also really, really cool. And there's just totally different way. Mm. I don't know Yay. That, that ending <laughs> shot was like really striking to me.
3: I don't
0: know. No, it's a really, it's a cool ending shot. The ending is so good. I love the ending very much. And all I'll say is that you won't feel like shit when it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. You'll feel uplifted. Mm-hmm. Um, so great. Cozy's going to watch it. Pete and I will probably watch it again. Uh, can't wait to hear what you think on a future episode. Cozy. Um, we were just talking about how our, our year anniversary is coming up in like a month, basically.
3: <laughs>
0: so I think we're going to try to do something fun where we, uh, review a lot of movies. We come back and uh, talk about a lot of movies we should have seen already.
1: <laughs> should be fun. Looking forward to it. Like right, eight- yeah. A massive we saw it
0: a massive we saw it yes that's in the works um but for the rest of today do you have any recommendations cozy anything that you saw this week that you you think our listeners should check out
1: i'm gonna recommend a podcast i've been listening to during the pandemic that i should have been listening to a while ago uh judge john hodgman super fun podcast very consumable Um, my, uh, the, 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 the bailiff of it is Jesse Thorne and he taught me a little bit of improv in college, which was cool. So Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of that connection and hot judge, you know, John Hodgman is super funny. So yeah, it's great.
0: Love it. Amazing. Pete, what is you, what are you getting into this last week?
2: Um, I'm watching an old season of drag race that I never saw. So I'm going to recommend Watching RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars season one, um, mm-hmm. which came out in like 2012, um, but I've seen all of the All Stars at this point, and I'm I'm not totally done with this one, but it has such such great queens in it. I feel like this is the only mm-hmm. season of All Stars that feels like a true All Star. Where All Stars, where they basically took like third place people and second place people from the previous four seasons and just put them all together. Um, I feel like in later seasons of All-Stars, they really just kind of took whoever hasn't been in All-Stars before, even if they were eliminated like first. Um, So this season just feels like the best of the best doing drag and I'm really loving it. So if you're a Drag Race fan and haven't seen it, check it
0: out. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. I think I watched it for a while and then I... I fell off, so I have a lot of catching up to do. (laughs) Um, I saw such a great movie last night, you guys. Uh, If you guys haven't seen it, I want to do it on a future episode. I highly recommend the 2017 Neo-Noir Thoroughbreds.
1: Great movie.
0: Ah, Yes, you saw it because you I've seen it, so I can't do it on future episodes, so please go watch it. Just trust me. <laughs> uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, who's the star of The Witch, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, and then she was in the newest adaptation of Emma that came out this spring. It's also excellent. Basically, she can do no wrong. She stars yeah. along with um, Olivia Cook, who's an actress I really love from the Bates Motel TV show. Um and it, yeah, it's very, it's spooky, it's suspenseful, it's um, the highly stylized female cruelty, which is one of my favorite genres of film. Mm-hmm. So check it out. It's on Amazon, Apple, and you can rent it from Video Tech in Pasadena, where I work twice a nice. week. Nice. <laughs> um, so does anybody have anything they want to plug? Pete, you already talked about your song. Is there anything else you want to direct listeners to?
2: No, no, just... Find me on Spotify or Apple Music and give me a little follow. The whole record will be out in October, hopefully. So
0: That's great. Oh, I'm so excited to hear it. Um, what about you, Cozy? Anything that you want to plug?
1: Nope, nothing on my end.
0: All right. Well, I want to plug. I just started a newsletter um, because I'm so frustrated with social media and I find it such a... Uh, just a terrible experience to try to keep in touch with people, to try to share my work, to find other people's work. The algorithm has totally got us all turned around. And um, did I say it wrong again?
2: No, you got it.
0: Algorithm. Okay. I'm so self-conscious about it now. Um, <laughs> that I, I just feel like I, I don't get to use it to really talk to anybody anymore. So I started a newsletter. I sent out the first one this weekend. It's going to be... Uh, Halloween, a lot of Halloween stuff in it, a lot of fun makeup stuff, a lot of movie reviews, recommendations, um, and updates about all the creative stuff I do from comedy to filmmaking. And on this last episode, I sent out a new Halloween playlist, um, talk, did some reviews about the movies we watched at Video Tech this week, and uh, had a section about a friend of mine who's doing an art auction for the Autism Speaks uh, event this weekend. So if that kind of thing sounds fun to you, then you can subscribe. <laughs> My, uh, Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes where uh, people can subscribe. It's going to be a weekly. It'll be a weekly thing and probably the best way to keep up with me better than social media. But if you want to follow me on social media, it's at LTV comedy, Twitter and Instagram.
2: <laughs> Never stop hustling.
0: Never stop the grind. (laughs) Lisa just wants to get paid eventually. That's all. Just really. Really support that. Just want to get a little paycheck. So you guys, if you have seen the farewell and you want to chat about the farewell, please hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at need to see pod or uh, hop into our Facebook group. You need to see this podcast, like our Facebook page cozy runs that. And so he'll be there. Ready to chat when you show up. If you can send us a five-star review if you have Apple Podcasts, please do. Uh, you know, it really helps if you write us a little friendly review. We'll read it on the air. And um, otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And Pete, thank you so much for not only handling our sound every week for the last year, but also being such an amazing guest. I love it when you pop on with us.
2: Thank you for letting me be a guest and take the microphone every now and then.
1: Hell yeah. Thanks for guesting.
0: Ooh. All right. Well, thank you for listening to You Need to See This. See this.
2: people have saying
1: when people get cancer, they die.